Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Morning, Graceland Church. How are you guys doing? We want to welcome you here. So glad and honored for you to be worshiping with us today. Uh, it's so good to have the kids in the house. Let me hear your loudest yell, Graceland kids. Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I shouldn't have said loudest yell. I should have said worship or something else like that. Um, noise is okay in the house of God. We're so glad to have you guys here. We believe there's a reason you're here today. And I do apologize for the scream that I just encouraged in the house. Um, you know, we are very thankful for what God's doing here in our church family, and it may be that God's calling you to be a part of it, and we do have a business meeting coming up that everyone's invited to. Um, members have voice and vote here, but I want to let you know about it. We're going to celebrate what God's done over this last year, share some vision about what's coming up, accept our financial report from the last year. We have two elections for our board. If you'd like information about that, just make sure you're on our weekly email list. It has all the details there. And if you're not a member, you can become a member. And I always clarify, um, we're not the kind of church where membership is like required to be part of the family. Like you're accepted when you walk in the door. You're not like a second class citizen or something. But if it's somewhere where God's really calling you to commit, I encourage you to become a member because there's something really powerful about putting that on paper, stepping into the family in an official sense. Uh, there's information out on the welcome table about that. We also have National Day of Prayer across our whole country this Thursday, May 4th, and we're going to meet with many, many other churches over at Thompson Station Church, and we'll be involved in the time of prayer. Pastor Rob Rates, our pastor of prayer and pastoral care, will be there. All of you guys are invited, and that same night, we have an event with someone's become a friend of ours, John Bevere, who's an author and a teacher. It just so happens to be the same night, um, and some of our team is also going to be there. In both areas, we're going to be praying and crying out to God for him to move powerfully in our city and country. So we'll put out details on our social media about both of those. We also have prayer every Tuesday here at the church at 630 that everyone is welcome to. Now, let me ask you a very important question. Who got to enjoy tacos on Taco Sunday last week? Pretty good. I'm curious, who here had more than five tacos? Let me see your hand go up. Okay, we got a few. Okay, Nessa, you had more than five? Did, who had more than seven? Anybody? Uh, we're, okay, all right, okay. I see some repeat offenders. Why are they all in this family? No, I'm just kidding. Who had more than nine? Nine or up? Nine or up? Okay, okay, we still got a few. Who had 10 or more? Are you serious? No, you didn't. Someone just pushed her on the floor. So, so in this service, is it you? So nine right here. Let's hear it for Kit Coulee. Nine tacos. Champion. Thank you to our Grace San Espanol team and everybody that served. We did this taco Sunday to uh, let our two services kind of hang out and meet each other because sometimes not everyone gets to see each other, but also to raise $10,000 for our missions trip that we're sending about 25 people on, including some of our young teenagers, and we're going to get to build a building out there in the Mayan Yucatan in an area that's never had a church. And I want to let you know we raised so far at Taco Sunday $7,127. That's amazing. Come on. That's not bad for a Taco Sunday lunch. And that means we have 2,873 left. You can use the QR code for details about the trip and how you can give. You just want to make sure to choose Mexico in the drop-down menu, or you can use our, our giving envelopes and just put Mexico. It'll 100% go towards that. So I'd love for you, some of you to help us reach that 10,000. 
It's going to be amazing. We also had Celebrate Recovery Sunday last week. My daughter took this photo uh, when she was serving in the booth. We were just celebrating new life and freedom in Christ. It's a ministry that we have on Wednesday nights that anyone is welcome to. It's at 6.30. Some of them shared their testimony, and, and they're holding signs there that represent their testimony. They say things like fully alive, free, redeemed, forgiven. And one of the things that I heard from uh, one of our kids, actually my wife heard it from Kenzie, our 10-year-old. She said, that was so powerful. If I ever doubt God in the future, I'm going to remember this. And I think it's one of the reasons testimony is so important because it gives window to all of us and our kids into something that I am most passionate about, and that is the reality of God breaking into our lives and transforming us. That's what it's about. That's why we're here. We, we worship God. We love him. But we're here on a mission to see the reality of God continue to break into people's lives, mine and yours. So if you're here today, that is our prayer. And we know that in our world right now, reality is sometimes hard to distinguish from non-reality. We have something called deep fake videos. Have you guys seen those where, where they can actually create, let's say, a president or someone else looking like they're saying something that they didn't really say? We have all kinds of challenges with the news. What do we believe? What do we not believe? With the medical community, truth is under fire, but we long for reality and truth. And I want to share a message today called Real Love and Real Help. I'm very thankful we serve a real God and a risen Christ, and we are his real church, along with many other churches in our area. Before I read the text today, I want to give the context. Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he's telling his disciples that he has to leave, and they are worried that their life with Jesus is over, and they are receiving comfort from Jesus. They need real help from Jesus, and we pick up in verse 15 of John chapter 14. You can turn in your Bible there or you can read along on screen. We love to just treasure God's word. So we're gonna read the whole text and then we're gonna talk through a few points. Jesus says in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. 
I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the father and do exactly what my father has commanded me. Come now, let's leave. Let's pray, church. Lord, may your word come alive to us from from the three, four, and five-year-olds in the room to those that are many decades beyond, God. We are hungry for your voice in our life, for the reality of your truth. So we welcome you, Spirit of God, here for these remaining minutes, and we ask that you will teach us and help us to understand what you are saying. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to first highlight three things that Jesus repeated in this text. In verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. In verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. In verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So our first principle today, number one in your notes, real love for Jesus is expressed through obedience to Jesus. Sometimes we think that our love for God is a feeling and we know we love him because we feel it, but this is not always true. A great scholar, David Guzik said, it is wonderful when our love for Jesus has sentiment and passion, but it must always be connected to keeping his commandments or it isn't love at all. The reason love is so much more than feelings and it's expressed through obedience is because sometimes the feelings aren't there. Anybody with me? So do we still follow Jesus when the feelings aren't there? It's similar to how we must be about with faith. Scripture talks about this in James chapter two and the principle is simple, simple and it's number two in your notes. Like our faith, love must be backed up by action. The book of James says that faith without works is dead. In the same way, love without action is not really love. Kids, look at me for a second if you're in the room. How many of you guys sometimes struggle with getting along with your siblings? Anybody? Yep, yep, okay. Thank you, daughter. And how many adults sometimes struggle with just getting along with random people in your life? Anybody? People at work. If it's your, sib- if it's your spouse, just look at them right now and say, I have trouble getting along with you. This is just a reality of life. Now, kids, how many of you guys know if you tell your brother or your sister that you love them, but then you were always mean to them, those words don't really mean that much, do they? And likewise, us husbands and wives, if we tell our spouses we love them, but we are unfaithful to them, those words don't mean very much. If a friend ever tells us they love us, but then they're completely unavailable to us and they they basically act like they never wanna see us again, those words don't mean that much. And likewise, if we say we love Jesus, but we don't follow him or his teachings, those words don't mean very much. And so a simple question today, how is your love for Jesus? And the litmus test is this, how is your obedience to Jesus? And maybe today, I wanna encourage you to ask yourself, how is Jesus calling you to obey him in increasing ways? Now, thankfully, his love for you and for me is real and it's backed up by his actions. Wouldn't it be a bummer if his love for us was just expressed, but he didn't actually die on the cross to save us? It would be love not backed up by action, but his love is proven for you, proven for me. There is no denying the unending, everlasting love of God for you. And one of the things I wanna clarify as we talk about obedience 
is that our, our obedience is not to earn our salvation. Salvation is a gift from God through Jesus based only on faith. But once we receive that salvation, we must grow in our obedience to Jesus as our expression of love. Simple and plain. And our love for him is based on the fact that he loved us first. Another thing that Jesus repeats in this passage that leads to very real help is verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Jesus was already an advocate, but he's saying the Father's gonna give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And then in verse 26, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now look at this verse with me real quick. When he talks about the advocate, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. That is God, the Holy Spirit, one part of the triune God. And then he says, whom the Father will send. That is God, the Father, another part of the, the triune God. And the Holy Spirit is being sent in whose name? Anybody with me? In whose name is the Holy Spirit being sent? In Jesus' name, because it's Jesus that's speaking here. So right here in this passage, we see something that's an important theological lesson that we sometimes gloss over, but we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that make up the one God, the triune God, who is perfect in all of his ways. And the reason I want to take a little... Um, a little side tangent to clarify this is because sometimes we think that the Father is just kind of like a distant authority, and sometimes we think that Jesus is, is maybe not really God and just a great prophet and less than the Father. A lot of religions outside of Christianity believe that, and then sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is not really God, but just like the, the force of God or something, something less than God. You know, we've been taught the force from Star Wars, and we think that that's what the Holy Spirit is, but the Holy Spirit is also fully God. And if we look forward in verse 28, there's a passage here that some people use to try to say that Jesus said he is not one with the Father. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I, Jesus says right here. And I just want to address it because it's in the text that we're studying. Anytime you read scripture, you need to let scripture be interpreted by the rest of scripture. So you have to always take passages like this and look at them in the full counsel of what God is saying to us through his word. And one of the things that's so clear in scripture is if Jesus is less than God, the entire fabric of God's word falls apart. It would mean that the claims that Jesus made about himself are untrue. So what he's saying here is he is honoring his father, but he is in, in no way saying that he is not God with his father. If Jesus is not God, then the only conclusions are that Jesus is a lunatic, he's crazy, making insane claims, or he's a complete liar. Those are the only three options about what we do with the words of Jesus. Either he's true, and he is the son of the living God, and, and, and God the son who died for our sins and made a way for our salvation, or he's a lunatic or a liar. And I want to just show you this. I want to take a moment, go back all the way to the Old Testament in Isaiah 43, 10 through 11. It says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. So notice it is the Lord talking. He's saying that he is the only God and that there is no savior apart from him. 
And then you fast forward 400 years into Luke 2, the announcement about the birth of Jesus. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Notice the angel said, who was gonna be born to them? A savior. And we had just seen in Isaiah that there would be no other savior apart from the Lord. So we see here again, a demonstration of the fact that the father and Jesus are God. And then to even further drive the point home, In the Gospel of Luke and in the other Gospels, it says that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary, the mother of Jesus. So we we see the full reflection of the Trinity there. And here's the principle, number three, the triune God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at once. The three theological terms for this are omnipotent is all-powerful, omniscient is all-knowing, and omnipresent is everywhere at once. And that is true of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, the major difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament regarding the Holy Spirit is that when the Holy Spirit would move upon people in the Old Testament, he wasn't filling them, he was moving upon their life. In the New Testament, all of us together, when we put our faith in Jesus and pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the living God, comes and indwells us. That's why all throughout the whole... Old Testament, you have the temple, which represented the presence of God. And in the very center of the temple was the Holy of Holies. The only people who could even go near it were the high priest. If anyone else tried, they would die. They they would die because the presence of God, no one could be in his presence. That was the temple, and there were layers to it. In the new covenant, because of the blood of Jesus, the scripture is so clear, we are the temple of God. We are are his presence on the earth. So take your right hand with me for a second, put it over your heart, and just say this out loud with me. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, children. Let's do, <laughs> let's do it again. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Say that. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is so amazing. You can stop repeating. (laughs) Look at this definition of the Holy Spirit. The advocate, it's the ancient Greek word parakletos. Kids, can you say parakletos? Thank thank you. You didn't know you were going to learn how to speak this at church today. It has the idea of someone called to help someone else. It could refer to an advisor, a counselor, or a comforter. And by the way, I, I accidentally skipped... Point number four, this parakletos, this Holy Spirit, this fullness of God, number four, is our unlimited and all-powerful source of real help every day. He will counsel you. He will comfort you. He will guide you. He will advocate for you. He is your creator, sustainer, and he knows everything about you. He will be with you forever. It's a promise. He will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything Jesus taught you. How many like me feel like we should be communing more with this God, the Holy Spirit, who lives in us. We should be talking more to our counselor. We should be trusting more in the guidance of our advocate and the one who knows all things and who goes before us. How many of you kids just had TCAP tests? Anybody? We survived. If you don't know what TCAPs are, it's the big 
uh, assessments that are standardized tests, I think, across the whole state. How many of you adults remember going into tests in school and just crying out to God desperately for help on your test? I used to do that all the time. And the reason I say this is because I just want to encourage you, that is a good thing. Study, do everything you can to learn, but then ask the Holy Spirit for help. He's your helper. He's your guide. He'll bring to remembrance what Jesus has taught you and what you need to know. So if following Jesus ever feels very challenging, if living up to the standards of the living God feel like you're fall, if you feel like you're falling a little short doing that, which we all do, the Holy Spirit, number five, empowers us to follow, which means love and obey Jesus. So we have real love and real help to be witnesses in the world, to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then look at this closing promise. And then we're gonna do something really fun together, some baptisms, and we're gonna celebrate. Verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. The worship team can come on up, by the way. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus distinguishes between his peace and the world's peace. The world's peace is usually about getting everything in your life to work out just right so you can finally be at peace. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus is saying that he has a peace that passes all understanding. It's a deeper peace. It's a peace that remains no matter what happens in our circumstance. I want that peace. I want the peace that is, that is more powerful than what's going on around me. You know that Jesus promises you his peace. His peace is not dependent on what happens in our country. His peace is not dependent on what happens in our government. His peace is not dependent on what happens in our culture or in your family or with your friends. God has peace for us that's meant to be unshakable. And so what I wanna do is just pray for us today that we can better express our love for God through obedience. We all need to grow in that. We must grow in obedience before God our Father, God our King, who we call our Lord, which means we're saying he's in charge. If he's in charge, how silly is it to not do what he says? Doing what he says does not mean you're perfect, but it means when you do fall short, which you will, you return to him. You repent. You ask for forgiveness, and you just keep going. The song that we sang, You're Never Gonna Let Me Down, I think theologically it deserves this clarification. I don't think it means you're never gonna be disappointed. We do get disappointed in life. We, all, we get disappointed in our relationship with God because we don't always have the exact same things in mind that God has for us. What I think it means, and the way I take that song, is it means he's never gonna put you down out of his hands. He's never gonna drop you. You're still in his arms. He wants you. He loves you. You have a place with him. So when you fall short of that obedience, you need to remember, wait a second. He hasn't let me down. Let me return to him. And that may be your obedience today. It's just saying, I want to return to you. I want to know you. And if you need help, I want you to pray with me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. Remind me that I am the temple of the living God. So, Lord, that is our prayer. Forgive us. And church, I'm just going to pray this in personal terms so you can pray it with me in your heart. Forgive me, Lord, for at times not expressing my love for you through obedience. Forgive me for times that I just thought my love for you was a feeling or maybe the lack thereof. 
God, I want to come to a deeper resolve that says, I want to follow your will, your way, your timing. I want to obey you, Lord and King. Forgive me for sometimes calling you Lord and not doing what you say. And so we start today, I start today, I, I continue today by saying I repent. I ask for forgiveness for my sin. I turn back towards you, Jesus. I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. My life is yours. Thank you for making a way through your shed blood on the cross that I might be saved. Thank you for blotting out my failures, my transgressions. Thank you for paying my debt. Thank you that I am declared free and alive and whole in the name of Jesus. And thank you that I now am the very temple of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we say yes to your infilling. We say yes to your baptism in our lives. Fill us with the power to live in the fruit of the Spirit, the power to be a witness in our world, the power to say yes to your gifts on our life, the power to follow you with everything that is in us, God, to not be distracted and to stay resolved before you, God. Fill us with your Spirit. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You are good. You're good. Church, can we just lift our hands across the room? If you're wanting to say... Jesus, I want to follow you in a real way, in a deep way that looks like obedience. And if you're wanting to say, I want again the fullness, the baptism of your Holy Spirit, just raise your hands with me. We're declaring the goodness of God. We're declaring our need for God. Lord, I pray your blessing on every person in the room. God, I pray that they will be drawn towards you by your love, the one who loved them first. And we'll never let them down. We'll never drop them. It's an impossibility. It's an unconditional, perfect love. So I pray they'll receive it again this morning. And may it draw them towards a, a real love for you that is expressed through obedience. And Lord, may you pour out your spirit upon them in fullness, God. May they more fully walk in the reality and power of the Holy Spirit. May they more fully realize they are the temple of God you indwell them and they have everything they need in you and I'm praying for our kids here as well we give you thanks in Jesus name we celebrate with Luca and with Leah these young people that are not the church of tomorrow but the church of today who have put their faith in you Jesus who understand what it is to follow you God may this day mark their lives forever God and may it continually call them into your arms. I pray your blessing on those families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to pray this benediction over us and we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your day.